Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Welcome to another edition of uh, Word in Your Ear. And we are absolutely delighted to be joined by David Mitchell. And uh, David, you are, I, mean, I think, somewhere in Ireland. Is that right? Where, where about um, I am indeed, Mark. Yeah. Hard to tell uh, from I'm, the backdrop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's right. It's by a carefully curated blank wall. Uh, I'm in County Cork, West Cork, the bottom left-hand corner, if you know this part of the world at all. It's I do. really nice. Although it's a bit of a misty day today. Uh, but uh, it, it's yeah, it's a beautiful spot and rather good for writing, and and it's got a vibrant music scene as well. And I should but, imagine lockdown hasn't really affected you. I mean, most most writers who spend you know eight days in front of a laptop at home have not been. <laughs> life has been very different during uh, the disturbance. Is that uh, the case with uh, you? Uh, yes, um, it's so many things all at once, isn't it? Uh, it's both, as you say. Um, uh, it's not a huge difference between how things were and how things are, yet everything has changed as well. Both of those are true, and I'm still sort of processing it. I mean, I move at quite a slow speed anyway, I think, mentally. It'll take me years to really understand what's been happening this year, but maybe I'm not alone in that. It's so no, I'm sure. I'm sure you're not alone in that, yeah, yeah. We well, look, you've got a, um, you know, your new book, um, Utopia Avenues, is a major departure from uh, the terrain of uh, the Bone Clocks and Cloud Atlas. You know, it's a, it's a book about a, a fictional uh, rock and roll band in 1967. So first, what, what, was, what attracted you to the idea of why did you want to write about a, a rock band in the first place? What was, what was the, the allure? Well, I know, like uh, like you, Mark, and you, David, I've, I've had a lifelong relationship with music. I think most of us do. Um, and and it's a fascinating relationship. What is this stuff? How does it work? I mean, you read a book about it, Mark, uh, which I read, David's and I'm afraid... Five. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fair play to you both, but um, how does it work? What is it? How do songs come to occupy this key part, this central part in our in our consciousness that uh how can there be so many things at the same time that they're, they're kind of they're windows they're places where we store a part of ourselves they're mirrors where we see a 
uh, an enhanced version of ourselves. They are just wellsprings of 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 joy, uh, of energy. They they are legal drugs. They alter our mental states just by listening to a yeah. song. How does that work? So um, novels are many things, but they are also curiosity satisfaction engines. So I built this one to try to explore these questions. Do you find also that it's not just songs, is it? It's records. Yeah. Because the thing about records yeah. that always fascinates me is we got them inside us. You know, we, we heard yeah. them many, many years ago. We've heard them yeah. millions of times. We know mm. them better than the people who made them. Yes. You know, yeah. We're more familiar with them. That, uh, and that's a unique relationship, isn't it? You, you don't have that with a book or a, you know, or a movie, do you? No, you mention it, no. Uh, not, not as clearly. Uh, we have fragments of books and fragments of films yeah. that stay with us forever. But actually, an album that we would have bought in the 70s uh, with a hard-earned pocket money that we saved up for and cycled into town to buy from the record shop and we shopped around to get the one where it was 50p cheaper here than it was anywhere else, then cycled back and then played it. Uh, and that was the first play of numerous plays because we didn't have so many. Uh, yeah, music right. wasn't kind of this almost free utility service, which it is now. Um, uh, yeah, we internalised every single bar, every single note. And, and also it telegraphs that particular time in your life so perfectly, doesn't it? Unlike movies and things, it's about a little soundtrack to, to what you were doing. It transports you back to the person you were when you first bought that record. Person and the circumstances on that first magic morning when you got home from town on your bike and you put it on your parents' stereo and you played it and suddenly you play it now and you're back there. You can you it it, it it's it's a time machine. It stores details about the room that you played. It just that the tactile experience of lifting the stylus and just placing it on the vinyl and and and, and that sort of. Noise it makes, you remember it all just from you playing it now, and, and and that's more than half our lifetimes ago. That's most of our lifetimes ago. Uh, how does that work? Is that amazing? I like what you said about albums, David. Um, in particular, you both know more about this than me, but you might agree that Sergeant Pepper's is interesting for all sorts of reasons. But one of them is it maybe heralds the beginning of the album as an art form, not just as a container of songs, as studio tracks, but as a journey, as an art form in its own right, with a beginning, a middle and an end, and uh, development, rather like a novel. Uh, and, 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 and this also makes the album, say, Astral Weeks, more important than the individual songs, which are still very fine, but the experience of the album is, is particular and special. Well, I think in both those cases, Sergeant Pepper and Astral Weeks are both good examples of this. You play them like singles, effectively. Mm. You don't think, I'm going to listen to Madame George, or yeah. I'm going to listen to yeah. B. No, you play them in their entirety. Yeah. You play them yeah. in their entirety. Yeah. And, and if you too, particularly take something like, uh, like um, Sergeant Pepper, it's really upbeat. It's surprisingly upbeat. Yeah. It whips yeah. along, you know, even within you, without you. Nothing, you're not looking at your watch at any point in that record, you know. And if, if you hear the end of one of those tracks, in your mind you're already playing the beginning of the yeah, next yeah, one because great, the great, entire great. sequence is so embedded in you. I really like that effect, uh, it's true. Um, and I sometimes also think that uh, I need more technical language to describe this, uh, but, but two 
artistic units make an invisible third thing because yeah. of the way they are just sequenced next to each other. A fine example is the very end of Within with uh, Within You, Without You, and then the beginning of uh, When I'm 64. There's uh, it, it, it goes from George's Eastern mysticism to Paul's homely clarinet, which might be the opening bar of a sitcom of a sitcom thing. Now that juxtaposition, it somehow makes a third thing. And doesn't it also have laughter in between? Mark's the expert on the Beatles. Doesn't oh, my play? word, my word. Well, uh, you've <laughs> out-experted me. Really? Before the beginning of When I'm 64. I, th- I thought there was in the laughter at the end of There's laughter at the end of the George Harrison. There's oh, laughter at the end of George Harrison, which is absolutely brilliant, which is, I always thought was really sweet because if you didn't like it at the time, and I must admit I didn't, I, I, yeah, I was yeah. too young to understand what it was about. I found it an me imposition. Too. But, uh, you know, you felt that George himself was shrugging at the end and going, I know, you know, just yeah, setting yeah. himself up and saying, you know, his old character kind of shone through rather than this uh, rather austere and serious uh, naval contemplating sitar player. It's one of the great gifts of maturity, isn't it? Just to be able to appreciate the within you, without yous of, uh, of music, of the world. Um, I think the same of, um, of uh, the great gig in the sky. Uh, it, it's... Both are tracks by by the band's third creative force, an often overlooked creative force, uh, where they really excelled themselves and made this beautiful shimmering thing uh, because of the context they were in. Um, and it's great to be old enough to play within you, without you, and think, you know, you're really, really good, and this would be a far lesser album without you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, well, the thing about the Beatles, you never take away any of the bits. Yeah, people always object to the White Album. They always say, oh, we'd make a better single al- single album and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. If you took yeah. away its excesses. Well, its excesses are as much a part of the Beatles as anything else. You know, and it's the excesses that you discover later on and really appreciate later on. It's the really simple <laughs> things that would have made a single that, that, that have the initial appeal. You know, um, I think it's, 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 it's kind of... Uh, you know, happiness is a warm gun. You know, <laughs> I remember finding very difficult when I was a kid. I think it's just yeah. the greatest masterpiece now. It's the glorious. Complexity um, of the, the, the. I sit there in a pathetic, rather anal, blokey way, trying to work out what the time signatures are. It's just how do they even play it? I've no idea. It's astonishing. Um, I feel the same about Helter Skelter off the White Album. Uh, yeah. What a what a song. It's yeah. it's uh, uh, like um. Most of the best music, words fail me when I try to capture it in a net of words. I, 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 um, what you were just saying about excesses, David, it, it's, um, um, I, I sense a recurring theme here that might rear its head again later in this, the conversation as well, but there's something really novelistic about the White Album. Uh, novels also, uh, they not only forgive, but in some ways I think they even benefit from and rely upon bagginess, upon things where the plot drops, switches, pace, slows down, where essentially it's self-indulgent. Now, you have to find the balance. If there's too much of that, the novel becomes um, unreadable, but not enough of it, then it's somehow like a really well-honed TV screenplay in a textual form. the White Album is a fine example of a uh, um, of uh, it's, it's, it's this schmooshed grab bag of of influences of manifestations uh, just of stuff. And it, I think uh, many of the best novels you can say the same about that. Yeah, yeah. 
No, I, it's, it's interesting. With the White Album, it, it struck me recently. In terms of range, nobody before or since could boast anything like that range. There is no band anywhere or solo artist that can have that kind of range that they had in the White Album. It's absolutely astonishing. Yeah. The bases they touch there, you know, yeah. kind of cod cowboy music, radio light program, late night music, avant-garde electronic music, Chuck Berry knockoffs, you know. It's just extraordinary. There isn't any there isn't anybody like that. There hasn't been anybody like that since, has there? I don't think so. Uh, I can't think of much uh, that comes close. Um, radio silence. Um, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, I wasn't trying to stop the conversation. We'll, we'll ponder on that. It's Another favourite theme is, is, uh, is records that you can remember gr- after playing in your house when you were growing up. Can you remember, can you remember the, f- the records were playing? Can you remember the device that they were played on? Because you were born, I think, in six, was it 69? 69, yeah. Yeah, um, so in the early 70s, can you remember what was, what was on the record player? I did a little bit of preparation of this podcast, Mark, and had great fun just sifting through my memories. So first LP that I was aware of was, um, was a spin-off of the, t- uh, of the kids' TV programme, Play School, that he had an album <laughs> called, oh, right, <laughs> called right, right, right. Bang on a Drum, where, yeah. the, um, where the, the presenters recorded it with a sort of early 70s folk ensemble um and and i just had a play of it on youtube and uh, it's actually really good <laughs> so so that's bang on a drum uh then uh first single i bought with my old money wild west hero by elo uh, oh wow um not Very mr blue sky uh but yeah. uh, uh first um and first lp i asked for a birthday present because i didn't have the resources to acquire it myself would have been ELO's greatest hits. So, right. how about you, Mark? David, what were your first? Um, oh God, my my! I always of... say mine uh, was uh, because, I, and it's my way of hitting back a, against people who always choose something kind of edgy and life changing. Mm. They will say, "Oh, it's Sex Pistols, Anarchy in the UK, or it's the the Who substitute, or whatever." Mine was when you come to the end of a lollipop. My Max. <laughs> Now, I wouldn't be telling you that if it weren't true. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not <laughs> That's just, right, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's very, it, it, you know, I think it's quite interesting that, that you know, kids grow up with kids' music, generally yeah. speaking. Yeah, you know, yeah. Stuff they hear and family favourites or whatever is that kind of thing. But it's interesting you should say ELO because we've, when we've done quite a few of these uh, chats during lockdown, ELO has come up a lot of times. Enormously. Really? Yeah, it is. Oh, I think yeah. It just, yeah. Because partly because I think it's that kind of Beatles sensibility and the kind yeah. of the pop tunes that appeal to people who who are, who are that young, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. there's also probably a kind of yeah, a kind of light lightness of touch and a kind of novelty about it. My first, um, my first incident was Bernard Cribbins Hole in the Ground. There you go. Same thing. Enough, same right, thing. It's kind of like yeah. it's nothing cool. You know, yeah. I actually bought my own money. Um, the ELO, fabulous. Um, <laughs> There's an underlying <gasps> optimism and warmth there that's quite yeah. beatly as well, um, yeah. which Very which beatly. which makes them or, or we might almost just to say him, uh, Jeff Lynne, it, it makes it easily mockable, but it also gives it a longevity because when will the need for optimism? When will the need for that kind of 
the, the sense that there's more light and warmth in the universe than there is cold and nastiness. When well, will that hunger ever go? It won't. It's really, it's really interesting because if you look at the musicians who get the kind of the most respect and the most awards and the most long newspaper articles written about them, they tend to be the chin-stroking, really serious ones, mm. who apparently, you know, who try to convey their inner seriousness. Whereas actually, you know, it's people like ABBA in ELO and Paul McCartney. You know, mm-hmm. in that happiness is every bit as important to us that's, as, that's, as it's never credited plumbing our souls. Exactly the same yeah. as the film industry. How many Oscars are there for, for, for yes. comedy actors? You know, but yeah. how many more? How many for Daniel Day-Lewis doing something searing and challenging? When I mean, it's just yeah. the way it is. People yeah. don't equate. The, people don't think of the value of happy music. Also, it's harder to write. It's much harder to write a happy song. I think. It's easy yeah. to mind the disasters of your own personal life. Um, yeah. it, it's it's so easy to form uh, to fall into the saccharine or superficial swamp. I think when you, I, I, I speak as a non-songwriter, but it could be awful really easily. Whereas I think if you're aiming for existential angst, you've got a far greater margin of error. Yes, that's uh, true. Because People if you, you get wrong, then yeah. you think it's just a part of the, kind of, wow, this is yes. kind of bad, but that's the point he's making, kind of, yes. the universe yes. is a bad place. Whereas, yeah, um, yeah um, um, Abba, um, I, I, I think most of our memories of the 70s, uh, maybe especially if you're male, uh, are revolved around pretending you don't like Amber, pretending that kind of, um, um, uh, what's the one, uh, the love, the da, 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 SOS. Yes. Yeah, it's, just, it, it's, it's got that sort of twee yeah. baroque info, but my God, it's great. <laughs> it's, and I only need to hear it once a year. That's enough. That's um, uh, too much sugar and you start to hear the enamel on your teeth begin to splinter <laughs> and fly <laughs> But but my God, it's crucial, isn't it? Just like the, just like your blood and your body just sometimes needs that injection of sweetness. Uh, I think this, I think the same is true for the human soul, and nothing gives you that sugar rush like Abba. No, no, Dave, certainly, certainly. No, it's funny you say about the seventies that um, you know we Mark and I often say that particularly boys. This seems to be a boys thing. Yeah. The boys with music, they use music as a way to position themselves. Yeah. They they they, they yeah. tend not to tell you their genuine responses to things. They mm. work out whether it's the kind of thing they ought to like, and then they tell you whether they like it or. We were working in an office once, and I think you pointed this out, Dave. You noticed that that blokes always said, "What's this music that was playing?" And then if it was something that they felt they should approve of, they go, "I like this." Yes. Yeah, so yeah, girls yeah. would just say, "This is good. I like this." What is it? What is <laughs> well, it? They didn't um... care. You know. <laughs> That's a major uh, fundamental difference. We bring it upon ourselves because we will also punish misdemeanors. We will, uh, we will, we we form uh, the taste police that will come down really heavy and put the boot in on other boys who like the wrong music. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's kind of our fault, like oh, as usual. We have no oh, one but ourselves to blame. Oh, listen, yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen, Mark and I have professionally benefited out of this over a long period of time about publishing magazines that were mainly bought by men. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. men needed to shore up their sense of of what they liked and needed to okay. argue about it. Yeah, needed to argue about it in yeah. a way that women very often didn't need to. They just liked yeah. it. It's yeah, it's true. And on one hand, while I agree with you and. Uh, and 
denigrate maybe too strong but 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 kind of roll my eyeballs in a oh men sort of way at the same time wasn't it fun Oh, yeah, great. Those, those conversations, those, 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 you can't like this because of this, 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 and you can yeah. like this because of this, 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 and well, that's rubbish. And well, no, you're rubbish. And no, you're, it's, uh, I, lo- I loved all of that. Who so were the, the first bands that you went to, that you got bothered enough so about, about to go and see? Okay, um, I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours, and I know the answers are going to be honest. So um, <laughs> uh, I'll start the ball rolling with, <clears throat> drum roll, Bucks Fizz, Marvin Winter Gardens, Mar- around 1978. <laughs> How uncool is that? Excellent work. That's very, very good. Very good. Uh, um, I've got another one in reserve, but, uh, but I'd like one out of each of you before I go. Uh, well, there, my number, the genuine first gig was, uh, I mean, this is going to sound like I'm making it up. It was Chuck Berry and the Animals, you know. So, wow. That was, that was the way it was. Uh, at Bradford uh, Alhambra, I think. Going. Wow. Um, what was that like? Well, it was like any gig in 1964. It was a package tour where everybody came on and did three numbers and, and it was under amplified and, you know, it was unsatisfactory in loads of ways, but yeah. you were in a place where, oh my God, that's the animals, that's Nashville Teens, that's Carl Perkins, that's, that's wow. Joe Berry. And then yeah. there, was a, there was another show later on that evening, you know, that's, that's what those shows were like. But yeah. tell us, so Bucks Fizz, so in 1978, so that's quite early for Bucks Fizz, isn't it? When did Bucks Fizz? Um, I wonder if I've um, misyeared myself there. Um, Maybe, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't uh, matter. They were playing the land of Maple Leaf, so um, I mean, if... if, oh, if okay, it might if, be a bit later. Whatever. In my head, if we probably Zoom, early 80s, but it doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't um, matter at all. We're not it's getting... the Morven Winter Gardens. It was the Morven Winter Gardens. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, uh, um, I, I, I apologise for the misstyle on my TARDIS there. Uh, the next big one, and you're being very quiet here, uh, Mark, so um, a couple of you in a moment, please. But then Marillion at Gloucester. Oh. Uh, oh, Gloucester. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was yep. a nightclub on the script for Jester's Tear tour. Yes. Uh, no. Uh, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to correct myself. It must have been the Fugazi tour because they played an early track from from the one after that was the uh, hit, Kaylee. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. So um, it's odd I'm... Ramping things a little bit earlier than they were. I, th- um, I think we need to add about three years to each of my years here. Yeah, that, um, but that was number two. Mark, over to you. Uh, two early well, concerts. Well, as in my first, well, uh, the first thing, the first group I ever saw was the Baron Knights uh, on the back of a truck in a circus when I was about, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> nine or something that. What did and, they play? Uh, uh, oh, they played a, a, a they, they, they played an EP actually called Call Up the Group. Call Up the Group. If you really group. want to know, it was, uh, <laughs> it was an impersonation to the Dave Park Clark Five, you know. Oh, wow. uh, boots and blisters. We'd been marching all night long. I can remember it very well. But that was just like, no, the first actual gig was, uh, to, to my eternal shame, was, was, was incredibly pretentious, which was the soft machine. Supported by the Andy Roberts band. Oh, we don't have uh, to be ashamed of anything. I think. No, no, you know. I wish it was something a bit more, more, more kind of. uh, You know, it just seems a bit like I was trying really hard. But that was pretty good. Uh, uh, Aren't soft machine? um, um, Aren't soft machine a fine example of one of those bands that? were never in so they've never actually so they that, can never yeah. be out that's, really, uh, that's true they were all absolutely right. was all like, on the, the verge of coming band. in and they never did at all yeah, yeah that's true. so no one's got fed up with you it. liked you like marillion when fish was the uh yeah. the lead singer and so forth okay very good that's good so more kind of more teenage things than you so uh, late late teenage what what, what would have been the um, preoccupying well, i was a, <laughs> uh, i was a prog rock kid and as david said um 
uh, you find um, you sort of find a tribal affiliation as a uh, as a as a teenager when you're wondering who am I and what am I. You find answers to these questions in music, I think. So um, Rush, in a word, um, Rush would be the band that time has been kindest to. Um, I think moving pictures now is still. It's a beautiful piece of work. Uh, and they made it okay to be bookish. They made it okay to have a relatively high register vocabulary. Uh, yeah. uh, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And... and and I think um, maybe for a future novelist as well, the third time I've mentioned my profession, but um, those prog rock albums were attempts at making novels in song. Um, look at Yes, um, shall we say it, Tales uh, of the Topographic yeah. Oceans. Um, I, I didn't really know what they were about, but I was drawn to the flow and to the... To the um, complexity of yeah absolutely yeah 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 like they were endlessly reinterpretable <coughs> uh sort of uh, i'm still wondering what they were about all these years yeah. later to be honest but the musicianship as well um bill bruford isn't it um, bill bruford the drummer yeah. well yeah um, like was he still there on top of graphic oceans probably was it alan white well i didn't alan uh, white didn't joined later alan white okay. joined Steve Howe, just Steve, Steve astonishing Howe, guitarist. Chris Squire, uh, Rick Waitman. Yeah, no, he left yeah, by then. Patrick Moran, probably. He's gone. Yeah. John it? Anderson. John Anderson. Here we are. We're going through the lineup. Of- yes. We can do that. <laughs> we can do that. We're among friends. It's It'll a be safe all right. space. <laughs> You're allowed to say that. We do. <laughs> We used to do that in school. We used to test each other. All right, from left to right, wishbone ash. You know. yeah, 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 I thought yeah. it was hilarious. <laughs> how very dull it must have been. Canned, <laughs> canned heat, canned heat with their diminutives. That's what we all... You know, yes. 
<laughs> Late teenage years, I went to California. Uh, not literally, but oh, musically. Right. Uh, so, so the Lowell Canyon bands from about ten years earlier, really. But um, Joni Mitchell and uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. I loved Deja Vu album. Uh, right. Still do actually. Right. Uh, and uh, and and the, the lesser lights of that era was um, as well. But um, uh, it's um, it seemed to have an authenticity and an honesty that maybe I wasn't finding in a, in prog rock double yeah. album Magnus uh, Magnum opuses. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about you two? Well, they were about kind of, oh, that completely. I mean, it's interesting. Is it, A lot of it's timing, this, you know, because my, my kind of prog thing, my prog era was yes in mm-hmm. the early 70s, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Marks were probably, yeah, was Soft Machine and so forth like that, isn't it, a bit later. Uh, but then I, I was big into kind of Californian, Laurel Canyon singer-songwriters. Mm. Jackson Brown and, you know, Randy Newman and, uh, and Joni Mitchell and the Eagles and all that stuff. Mm. I loved it. And, and of course, what you got out of that music was also you got a lot of things that people subsequently got from other media, which is you got, you know, a Joni Mitchell record wasn't just a record. It was a diary. It was this yeah. is who, this is who I've slept with in the last year. And this is what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and all these people, it fascinates me. You know, Lennox Cohen, Chris Christopherson, James Taylor, Carly Simon, Cat Stevens, Carly, uh, all these people. They all had affairs with each other, and they mm. all wrote songs about it, and they all mm-hmm. openly wrote songs and, about it and told you, and told hide you it. who it was that they were they <laughs> who had the affair with. with. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's so true. On um, uh, Joni Mitchell's "Lady of the Canyon," there's actually three guys there. There's oh, yeah. Nash, Graham David Nash, Crosby, Nash, David Crosby, Leonard Cohen, the priest. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, Are we out going, geeking each other here? I think no, we might I, be. I yeah, think you'll probably find there's more of them. You know, and I think. It's probably a James when, song there too, isn't it? That was when she, that was the year, when at the end of the year, so it's 1970, isn't it? Oh, like, I know what you're going to yeah. say. Yeah. She was in, she was <laughs> Stone yeah. Magazine elected her Old Lady of the Year. Oh, my Lord. Never my Lord. Forgot, never forgotten or forgiven. And I'm not surprised. <laughs> but it's a very different time. It was yeah, yeah. both, both, of, both uh, as a congratulation and as a, as a tremendous criticism simultaneously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very old. Yeah. But yeah. there's something about America I've always thought that I, I, I went through a stage of buying into the whole concept of American culture to the expense of English culture completely. I listened to any dreadful rock and roll band from, from America. You know, I'd literally go to any <laughs> last vestige of the, you know, the Marshall Tucker band or the, you know, New Riders of the Purple, Purple Sage, whatever, while ignoring things that were going on on my own doorstep, while ignoring David Bowie, you know, which is absolutely ridiculous. Stuff. That's snobbery. I just thought America is better. I don't know why. There were different times. Um, yeah. And, 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 I mean, it, it's it's strange to think of it now when we go to the states and we just see the uh, the crumbling infrastructure. But there was a time when America was the future. Uh, America and the future were virtual yeah. synonyms of each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. But things change, don't they? Um, well, also, um, no, I was going to say, give, give us some of uh, some some uh, uh, idea of stuff that you've listened to this century. So what's uh, Anything that's made well, a, a um, huge impact. First decade of the century, I had two small uh, people to look after at home, so yeah. not a lot. 
I didn't go out much, didn't go to many gigs. Uh, I think went to no gigs for years, really. And and I got stuck in that middle age thing slightly, where you stop exploring new music and you start turning into your dad and thinking, well, yeah, this music that the kids are putting out these days, it kind of it isn't as good as it was in my day. You actually turn into your dad like that. Uh, happily, however. Um, I was conscious of that and, and, and tried to remedy it through things like um, Late Junction. It's a great uh, program on Radio 3. Robert Sandler uh, was the presenter back then, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, my, uh, my, my, my Late Junction, there were two female presenters. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I can't think of the and, yeah. uh, The names would come back three seconds after we finished this interview and yeah. I'd be kicking myself. Uh, but um, that was really helpful. And then in more recent, um, just in the a decade just gone, it's really annoying that the English language doesn't give you a word for the first two decades of the centuries. So you have to say kind of the noughties or the 2010s oh, or something. Yes, it's sort true, of really yeah. annoying. In, yeah, in, in any other language on earth, you can say if, it. But if only there was a war. Be... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Flounder, yeah. flounder around and kind of give <laughs> an explaining code. But uh, in the decade just gone, um, the 20 teens, uh, my daughter's been very helpful in in, in plugging me into what's happening in uh, in the world and 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 some other friends as well but um uh, I think for the first time in my life I got the point of EDM that it's music oh, okay. for the body and not for the brain um, yeah. it's indirectly for the brain as well but 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 the point is I, I, I just understood it for the first time wow this is 20 years old and I just, and, 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 and I spent two decades just not knowing what it was about uh, a similar thing for rap um i didn't well, just give get... us an example of the edm you're talking about which which, which act do you listen to? um do you know stavros I, uh, S-T-V- I don't. god i uh, don't actually know uh just after this uh interview uh they've got a song i think it's called the finishing and it's a uh, it's about an eight minute thing um with a edm background and a most sublime saxophone solo for the whole thing uh it's got no lyrics it's just astonishing it's like where did you come from really it's it's, uh, and this sort of joy um it's the sort of the first time i've felt it since my 20s hearing uh this great new thing for the first time oh gosh yeah Music can do that as well. I'd forgotten it can have this endocrinological if effect on you. It, it can kind of tweak hormones out of the parts of your body uh-huh. that emit hormones, uh, and, <laughs> and, and, uh, or, or, or adrenaline, or, graphically or put, yeah. dopamine. Uh, yes. it, 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 somehow these sound yeah. waves moving through the air. It, 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 it affects your body. Um, more recent decades, um, uh, Bonnie Vare. Uh, he, he's he, he's a bit of a chin stroking act, I know, but but that second album of his, the self titled one, would you know that at all? Bonnie uh, Vare by Bonnie Vare. I, know, I know him, but I don't know him well enough to know which one the records are called. But that's something else that's happened, isn't it? Um, the way music has dissipated, it's kind of splintered into many many zones. When we were kids, you could know the contents oh, of. Yeah. 
every record shop in the country because yeah. it you, was the oh, same. Could, there weren't so many could. bands. Those days are so long gone now. It's absolutely uh, yeah. gone. Absolutely gone. People say to me, do you know what's going on? I say, nobody knows what's going yeah. on. There's yeah. too much going on for any one person to possibly keep track of it. It's so various nowadays, whereas it used to be just defined, as you say, by the stuff that they had in the record shop, the stuff they had room for, kind of, you know, to, yeah, yeah. to manufacture and distribute. And that nobody, nobody cares, you know, about the chronological sequence of things at all. You know, my own kids, I can remember my kids asking me which came first, Nirvana or The Doors, you know, this being the American Nirvana, you know. And I think, really? How do they wow. not know that? But it doesn't matter. It simply doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Whatever sequence they discover them in. Of course, for our kids, uh, the eighties are what the forties are to us. Oh, absolutely, this is yeah, long ago zone. Absolutely, uh, and kind of who cares which yeah. came first? I, I was, uh, you know, the Q magazine closed this week. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I mean, as the comment, and you know, I said, well, it's thirty-four years, and if you'd gone thirty-four years back from nineteen eighty-six, you would have been in the reign of King George the Sixth. Whoa. <laughs> You know, it's astonishing, isn't it? It's astonishing. It gives know. you an idea of, know. you know, whereas we tend to think the era of pop music is kind of all one thing. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Loads of different things, you know, in loads of different ways. Just one particular question about the era of pop music. Well, get back to the book just for a second. Why did you pick on 1967 as the year to, 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 to place your fictional band in? What was it I about mean, that particular time? It's an open goal, Mark. Uh, I, I, I just couldn't resist it. Um, it. It's almost why wouldn't you? Uh, that th- there's th- there's the symbiosis of the counterculture and music. The way one informed the other. One was a message board for the other. Uh, one was an exhibition space for the other. Just that interface between music and happening culture was was membraned thin. Maybe it wasn't even there. Maybe they were interchangeable, and and, and we read how um, um, you know, um, something would happen in California, and Buffalo Springfield would write a song that uh, that night, and it would be in the charts a week and a half later. Yeah, uh, yeah. That 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 uh, that was um, attractive. Also, the way something about that that magic window about. 18 months, maybe, maybe inspired by the Beatles, but you get three star acts um, suddenly producing four star albums with five star passages in them. Uh, uh, it, it's as if Sergeant Peppers and I know Roger Waters is on record as having said this. They, some radio station got a hold of the whole album, played it uninterruptedly. Uh, Pink Floyd were driving along in their van. They stopped, listened to it, and Roger Waters' response was, the bastards. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's the one thing you, you, you forget is that, is that musicians are so competitive. Why wouldn't you be? You have to be. Yeah, yeah. You just uh, think, why didn't I think of that? Or I'm ruined, you know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, and, 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 and that competition can be a powerful and benign creative force. Uh, and and it was just a magic harvest, I think, that lasted about 18 months where you get these stunning records from acts that never achieved those heights again. 
and also the, the time when people actually thought that music was genuinely going to change the world and, and everything was possible and everything happens in fact in your book you know the group kind of meet and they play a couple of gigs and they get signed and they they, they, they they're on a, a television program fairly soon and then they're touring america and that did actually happen at yeah. that stage things yeah. happened at that at that speed really exciting yeah yeah um and I, it and and it didn't last long which closed yeah. the window in which i could kind of have that plausibly happen to a band uh, if it yeah. was four years later if i set the book in the early 70s then 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 uh, the the trajectory could not have been plausibly that quick well they i think also in the early 70s they started to be aware that they had careers and that they mm. could they could they lasted mm. Whereas in 1967, nobody, nobody thought 1968 was going to happen, let alone 1970. There's the famous clip about uh, the Beatles being asked just this very thing. So what will you be doing when it's all over? And Ringo mumbles something quite seriously about, well, I thought it could be useful to... It, might be an idea to own a chain of ladies' hairdressers. Yeah, it's right. Two, actually. It's two, doesn't <laughs> two. it? Two. Oh, two. Yeah, yeah. two. <laughs> because Maureen, his girlfriend, wife, was a hairdresser. So he right. was, you know, the way he looked at it was the way that footballers in those days looked. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll, have have a career, I'll have a career playing for Arsenal Spurs, and then I'll go and I'll open a sports shop or a pub. Yeah. And, and my local, yeah. my celebrity will be worth something locally. Yeah, you know that Ringo Starr's hairdressers in Liverpool would do quite well. What he never, what nobody ever dreamed of, was the extent of it. You know that that Ringo Starr is was he he'd been eighty recently? Has he? He's yeah, he was. Yeah, still, yeah, he's more famous now than he was then. Arguably. it's amazing, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> that's right. To more people, that's true. More people, yes, know. more that's people. Yeah. I know. I know. Kids, you know. And a fine example of how the future is truly uh, unforeseeable. If you can see it accurately, it's probably not the future. No, uh, absolutely. And, yeah. and, and, and um, uh, predictions and prophecies, it's a complete mugs game. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's essentially random. Unless you're David Bowie talking to Jeremy Paxman in, in about 1999, describing what the internet is doing to the world in 2020, which just makes me think he must have uh, come from uh, the future. Right. He uh, didn't, didn't did get it all 19, right, though. <laughs> in 1999, he was predicting what, the effect of the internet. Well, um, yeah. Just um, uh, um, in a part of my so-called research for this book, uh, I, of course, it, it just legitimised what I do anyway, which is to spend hours of my life trawling the murkier recesses of YouTube for interviews between uh, yeah. um, musicians I like, or, or, or even Great musicians I don't like. And, yeah, you should... Um, just YouTube, um, David Bowie, Jeremy Paxman, and it comes up, and uh, a rather sceptical Paxman is saying, but it's just another sort of phase, isn't it? It's just a new means of delivery, and um, Bowie intimates about how we haven't seen even the tip of the tip of the iceberg yet. And uh, no, then yeah. Paxman will never onto... catch on. No. <laughs> so... it's pa- Paxman well, is his tweediest. So that would really bring out the old gentleman's <laughs> club in Paxman, would they? You know, um, uh, to be fair, he, he, um, he wasn't saying anything that most of the rest of the oh, right. um, London intelligentsia uh, Within the media, wasn't saying then either. It, it, yeah. it, 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 it isn't really a story about Paxman's tweediness. It, it, it's much more about 
Bowie's sort of, how did you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, um, we, we, we need to know, uh, hmm. uh, as we always now traditionally ask people uh, <coughs> in, these, in these events, about your, your recommendation for the greatest record ever made. So have you got, have you singled out one that you would uh, suggest that everyone should hear? Uh, it is, sir, as you know, an impossible <laughs> question, uh, because uh, there are only greatest albums. There isn't a greatest album, but it is a game. Uh, and and uh, uh, it, it, it would be churlish of me as a guest on your podcast to not play the game. So I will play it and I will nominate Dark Side of the Moon. Wow. Okay. Well, wow, that's that's very good. That's just because it's one of those things that you have gone back and played you know, relentlessly and never got tired of and uh yeah uh it's, a, I know it's, it's unusual so well. choice actually because i suppose really? it's, it's, it's well yeah, i know it, really. it is because i suppose it's it's so obviously a really likable important record you know um, world changing record but really suppose, really honest of you to go for it uh i suppose the the um the the question is really a test of the criteria that your various guests choose uh, use in order to choose, I think. So uh, my criteria were uh, replayability. Uh, hundreds of times I must have listened to it. Um, and maybe a certain monolithic nature in terms of its importance to the musical landscape uh, since. It casts a very, very long shadow uh, that has... Uh, and 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 its influences, I think, have uh, been as far-reaching as uh, the famous first Velvet Underground uh, one with uh, Banana on the front, which is yeah. famous for having. Uh, I, I don't know who was it who said it only sold about three hundred, but every single one of those three formed a band. Formed a band, right? Yes. Um, I think. Uh, I, th I suspect that um, if you could somehow trace the number of bands that were born as a result of Dark Side of the Moon, then then it might be a comparable number. I and think it's, a, it's an interesting record, an interesting choice, actually, in the sense that I think it's very, obviously a very influential record because it was designed, either consciously, consciously or not, as an experience. That you, you, know, you listen to it like you watch a film, pretty much. Mm. You know that, that it starts with a heartbeat, doesn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. It has all those techniques. It fades out with the voices going. You know, there is no dark side of the moon. They're all dark. All that kind of thing. They're very kind of filmic techniques, aren't they? And 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 again, it was kind of nobody ever said, "I'm going to put on." No, you wouldn't play. I'm going to play clips or whatever it was. Yeah, absolutely. You sat down. You played forty-five minutes. Absolute silence. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't have a chat. You know, I can remember yeah, yeah. the I can remember the days, you know, I used to go to my mate's place in Finsbury Park on Saturday evening. And Saturday evening, you know, entertainment in nineteen seventy-three will be a bottle of cider or a bottle of Hirondelle, nasty Spanish wine. Oh, you uh, sophisticate you. Absolutely. <laughs> and we'd lay back on a strip uh, on a on a scatter cushion and listen to Darts of the Moon and smoke. And nobody would talk. And at the end people would go, Amazing. <laughs> we were doing exactly the same uh, 16 years later at the University with of Kent. Or whatever, That's right, no, yeah, with, yeah. no, but with Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, with Dark Side of the Moon, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it, so, so, so maybe this is another criterion. How does it sound now? It still sounds brilliant. Uh, right. it, 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 it's, 
it, it hasn't really aged. Um, uh, it, I'm not sure it, there was ever really a discussion about it. You just all agreed that it was great and it went on to something else. You know? But isn't that music? Uh, it's, yeah. it, it, it's fundamentally um, indescribable. Otherwise, it wouldn't be music. It would just be words. Um, it, 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 it's proof of the pudding of the uh, variously attributed aphorism that writing about music is like dancing about architecture. Dancing about architecture. So is talking about music. Yeah. Now, it's enormous fun. And I love doing this, what we've been doing for the last blimey 49 minutes. Uh, but, um, but, but you never reach the end because it's music. If it was a yeah. book, maybe you could reach the end. Uh, but 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 it has no end. The music's there, and it's not made of the same stuff that a text or even a conversation is made of. It's one medium trying to describe or capture or enter the essence of the soul of another medium. And ah, I love that. Well, you've made a great success of it in the book. You tell oh, well, thank you. It's fantastic. And well, we hardly need to congratulate you because you've already been a Sunday Times number one bestseller, I believe. Oh, wow. Well. So, uh, fantastic. Well, yeah. Thank you very much. But Thanks it's a been lot. an absolute joy to talk to you. And, well, same uh, here, Mark. Um, thank you so you too, much for David, I hope we can do it again one day. In, be, I hope so. That another. would be fun. It'd be really good fun. Lovely okay. to see you. All yeah, right. Here. Goodbye. The best to you. Bye. 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 This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.